Let's dive in today to part four of a little bit of wisdom, and we're jumping in today uh, to this summer series that has just been great. Have you enjoyed it so far? I hope you have. And we've been looking at this idea of getting wisdom, and the first week we talked about the importance of getting wisdom. The second week we talked about the importance of having a teachable life. The more teachable you are, the more wisdom you'll have. The third week, last week, I talked about wisdom in your job and how you need to have wisdom when it comes to how you work. Hopefully that encouraged you this week as you went back to work. Today we're going to talk about parenting. Yeah, buddy. And we're going to talk about family and all of that dynamics there. And how many of you know we need some wisdom when it comes to parenting? Um, how many parents do I have in here? Real quick, by show of hands, how many parents? Oh, wow. Yes, a lot of you. How many of you, just real quick, how many of you have one child? Raise your hand. You got one child? God bless you. How many have two children? God bless you. How many have three or more? God help you. Um, so... <laughs> How many of you know when you're parenting, when you go from one to two to three, how many know your parenting changes? Parenting styles change. You go from like man to man to zone. You're working on zone defense. You know, you're trying to, trying to just manage all these children that you got going on. And, and, and so I, I thought I would help you out. I thought we'd start off today with giving you just a little bit of wisdom when it comes to one to two to three. How many of you are pregnant right now? You're pregnant right now. Yeah, congratulations. Congra I thought I saw a guy's hand. Okay, no, I'm sorry. Maybe he feels pregnant. I don't know. So, all right. So let me give you some wisdom when it comes to when you have multiple children. Let me, let me show you kind of just how this works. So if, if you're going to buy maternity clothes, let me, show you, let me show you how this plays out. Let me let, let put this up there. Maternity clothes with your first baby, you begin to wear maternity clothes as soon as you confirm you're pregnant. As soon as you're pregnant, you start putting on some maternity clothes. At baby number two, here's how it works with baby number two, you wear your regular clothes as long as possible. Come on, can moms, y'all agree with this? this is, but watch this. With, with baby number three, though, it totally changes. Your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. So that's, <laughs> that, a woman wrote this, by the way. I didn't write this. Don't be mad, don't be mad at the messenger. This is just how it is. All right. Let me show you, let me show you another, another area where it can help. Going out. How I many know, when, when, going out totally changes when you start having kids. Go out to dinner. When you were single, you're like, you want to go to dinner? Yeah. You want to go to dinner? Yeah. Let's go to dinner. You have kids? Mm -mm, not that way anymore. This is how it works. Got to get the babysitter. The first time, you call home every five minutes. Second baby, this is how it works. Just before you walk out, you remember, oh, I got to leave a number where you can be reached. Third baby, this is how it works with the third baby, you leave instructions for the sitter to call only if she sees bleeding, okay? If there's blood, call me, all right? Come on, let me know that's true. Why are you calling me? All right. All right, watch. Uh, swallow, <laughs> swallowing coins. This totally changes when you got different kids. <laughs> Baby number one, you rush child to the hospital. I need an x-ray right now. Child number two, you just carefully watch for that coin to pass. <laughs> child number three, though, you deduct it from their allowance. Okay, that's how that works. Come on. <laughs> Get, deducting that out. All right, let's go to your notes. Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. Verse 3 says this, it takes, what's that word? Wisdom. It takes wisdom to have a what? Yeah. Come on, how many of you would agree with that? It takes wisdom to have a good family. It really does. There's incredible instruction that's out there, some great curriculums that are out there. And, and listen, when it comes to parenting, we can spend 16 weeks on parenting. From discipline to how do I deal with, uh, with a merged family to so many different topics that we can deal with. Topics that you have to deal with, like young kids, Versus when you got older kids. How many know when you got young kids, they're a headache? When you got older kids, they're a heartache. Come on, isn't that the truth? When you go through these seasons of life, and, and we can talk about all those things, but ultimately at the end of the day, here's, here it is we need wisdom. We need wisdom. We need wisdom to have a good family. 
And it takes understanding to make it strong. So today, what I want to do is, is I want to just, because we don't have 16 weeks, maybe we'll do a mar- uh, family parenting series soon, and we can really dive into some of these topics. But since we only have one message to really go through, I felt like today I wanted to just share what I'm calling family essentials. And, and, and I want to share also in a way, I, I made sure that I spent a lot of time on this message crafting it for all of those that are in this room that are not parents. So if you're a teenager right now, or you're a, you're a, a single, single person, you, you don't have kids, or maybe if you're um, an empty nester and your kids are long gone, um, I, I made sure to craft this message in such a way so that you can also receive some wisdom from God today. And so this message is going to help you in all areas of relationships um, but we are specifically talking about parenting. And how many know parenting is hard work? Yes. If you don't say yes, then you're not a parent. <laughs> it is hard work. Proverbs would say it this way, train up a child in the way they should go. Our job is, is to train them up. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. So we, we have this, this challenge of training up these children that God has blessed us with. They are gifts from the Lord. And how do we do it? And how do we do it right? So I want to give you these four things. If you're taking some notes, let me, let me give you a couple. We're going we're gonna to blow through some of these here. Number one is, is right relationships. You, the most important decisions that you're ever going to make are the friends you decide to hang out with. We are, and this is all of us in this room, the sum total of the relationships in our life. You and me are the sum total of the relationships that we have allowed in our life. See, because your, your life is not formed by information. Your life is actually formed by relationships. And so the people that you spend the most time with, you need to make sure that they are great people. Proverbs would say this. This is what Solomon says. The righteous choose their friends what? Carefully. That people who want to love God, honor God, and live for God, they are very, very careful with the type of people that they allow into their life. The friends that they share their life with, they're very careful in choosing those this is, this is what I, I say often to our youth. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You show me the people that you hang out with. I don't even need to hang out with you. Show me the five people that you hang out with the most, that you Snapchat with the most, that you text the most, that you Facebook message the most. Show me those five people and I'll show you where you're going to be in five years from now. Because the type of people that we are around is the type of person that we become. This is how this, how many know when your kids are younger, all the parents in here, when your kids are younger, how many know you watch them like a hawk? Like you were always watching them. And then like if you didn't hear them or you didn't see them, you automatically went into panic. Like, what? You're just looking everywhere. If you're at a birthday party, how many know it's not a party for you? You're all over trying to find these kids. Where are you just trying to herd cats, you know, all over the place. You're just trying to get them all over. And, and, and we go into this like defensive mode to protect our kids and, and rightfully so. The problem is what ends up happening is that our kids get older. We kind of loosen that, which we should to a degree. But, but we, we need to be careful that, especially as our kids get into the adolescence age and the teenage years and beyond, one of the biggest things we need to watch out for is who they're spending time with. Who are they hanging out with? Who are the friends that they're around? We need to watch that. And nowadays, you got to watch. There's something else you got to watch, and that is what are the devices that are in front of their eyes? How many know we got to watch those things very, very carefully? Right now, I just read a survey that said that now the average age of a child viewing pornography is eight. Eight years old. Eight years old. I have a house of three boys. 
They all have iPods. I've told them they're not iPods. They're Wii Pods, by the way, because we own them. All right. So they're going to be my pod soon. And so I have to guard and watch. I have, I have a device that I bought that monitors every single device that's in my house. I have the ability to turn off internet by my phone, which gives me a lot of power in my home. <laughs> Lindsay calls me. They're just acting up. I'm like, <laughs> they're like, no. <laughs> I mean, no, like, this is like first world problems. These kids don't know it. What? Is there internet and is it free? You know, that's the first question when you go somewhere. And so, but I've got I've to make sure that I'm managing because how many of you remember back in the day, if you wanted to sin, you had to go find it. But how many know nowadays it finds you? And, and, and what we allow access, and there's, there, I mean, it's, 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 kind of, it's kind of scary to see that some parents don't know what their kids are watching. They don't know who their kids are talking to. I tell my boys all the time, listen, if you're in my house, as long as you're in my house, I will know what's on your device. I have your password and I can look at it at any time. That's just how it is. And like, wow, that's so rude. No, I'm protecting my kids more than they realize. Come on, y'all with me? Some predators, some people. How many know if someone walked into your house and was going to do something to your kids, you, you, would, you would, you know, yeah, that's what you would do, right? Well, they're walking into your house. They're just doing it via device now. And so how I many know we got to be on guard? We got we to protect them. We got to make sure that they got the right relationship. But it's not also, not also just being protective. How I many know we also need to go on the offensive and get them around great relationships as well? I don't want to just guard them from bad relations. I want to get them around good relationships where they don't want to hang out with the fool. Because this is what it says. This is what Proverbs says. It says this. The walk with the... Wise. Say it. Say it. Wise. wise. Walk with the wise. And what, what happens? You become... Wise. You become wise. If you associate with... Fool, yeah, we pity the fool, okay? So this is, this is some fools here. Get, in, get your Mr. T on when you say, you gotta say that word. And, and this is what happens, you get in trouble. You get in trouble. Come on, let's be honest in here, all the adults in here. How many of you would agree that most of the time when you got in trouble in high school days, you were hanging out with the fools? Anybody in here? How many of you would say now that you're older, sometimes you get in trouble because you're still hanging out with the, with the fools, okay? Yeah, how many of you got somebody, somebody at your coworkers? Okay, anyways, you're not going there, all right, so. Right? But this is true. This isn't just for our kids. This is for us. That when we walk with wise people, we become wise. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, stop hanging out with people who don't love God. You need to walk with people who love God. You need to be around people. That's not to say we shun people that don't love God. We reach out to them. But the people that are closest to me, the people that I walk with, notice this is, I'm walking with them. I'm doing life with them. I want to be around some wise people. If I want a wise marriage, I'm going to get around some people who've got a wise marriage. If I want to grow in my parenting, I want to get around people who, who've done this before and can give me wisdom when it comes to this. See, because it's impossible. I want to write this down. It's impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. It's impossible. It's impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. And some of you right now just need to go, you know what? We are going to join freedom because we need it. We are going to get into a life group. I'm not going to just show up to church and just go through the motions and not know anybody. See, because in a church our size, you can easily walk into this church and walk out this church and no one ever know you. And then you can say things like, well, nobody, nobody reaches out to me. Yeah, because you don't know anybody. We want to get you in the family. We want to get you connected to people. We want to get you in this place. That's why we call this place a spiritual family. Because how many know God didn't call you to go to church? He called you to be a family. He called us to be a family. I love that. And I love seeing that on Sunday in between services, different people. During the 8 a.m. and the 9.30, I had a, I had a husband and wife, and, and the wife was just kind of sitting there. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, my husband won't leave. Keeps talking to everybody. 
I'm like, that's great. I mean, that's what it should, that's what church should be. Like, I don't want to leave. I just want to hang out with these people. I hope you go to a church where you like the people you go to church with. Come on, somebody. (laughs) You'd be surprised how many people I've met and like, yeah, I go to such and such church. Do you like the church? No, not really. Why do you go there? Because I have to. No, you don't. You can choose a different church. So we want to create an environment where people have right relationships, that you have right relationships. And this is why we do life groups so much. This is why we're doing freedom. This is why we're spending time this fall to create opportunities for you to grow, because we want you to get connected to people. My life is better because of the people I'm around. It just is. And your life can be too. Which, by the way, life groups is not just something we do for adults. I don't know if you know this. We do life groups in OSC Kids. Your kids will learn a big God story and then they'll sit around in a group with a group leader and they'll have that group leader pour into them and ask them how their week was and help them process through the, through the story and, and get into their life. How many of you know our kids need that? And then here's the cool thing. Then they transfer from sixth, fifth grade. They go into sixth, seventh, eighth grade and they get into our OSC youth. And on Wednesday nights they show up and guess what? They don't just show up and, and have fun and just eat pizza and then go home. They get into a small group here at OSC youth on Wednesday and they have a life group leader that's pouring into them and fifth grade girls getting around and talking about their fifth grade girl drama and they just doing all their stuff. And they're talking about, I just want to cut that girl. I want to cut her. And so they say, no, Jesus wouldn't do that. Don't do that. Jesus wouldn't do that. Okay, so... Come on, how many of you know you just need somebody? Come on, this is real life here. You see when she Snapchatted me? I'm going to Snapchat her back. I'm going to tell you. Okay, so this is, that's what, I don't even have girls. I'm just, I'm just predicting what drama is. I don't know. I pray for all y'all that have girls. Okay, so this is just it. I got my own boy drama in my house, so I got to work through all that. But this is, this is the world that our kids live in. How many of you know, I was the youth pastor for eight years of this church, and our strategy was... Let's just host big services, give a lot of giveaways and have fun and just do crazy stuff and preach Jesus. But we realize that, yeah, that works to draw people, but it doesn't build kids. If we want to build students, we need them to be in community with other students that are going through what they're going through with someone who can speak into that, that can tell them, hey, listen, you don't have to succumb to what everybody else is. You don't have to date around. You can save your virginity. You can save your purity. You got a purpose. God has a passion. Come on, somebody. This is speaking into that. And so we've restructured our OSC youth to be designed around giving your kids community because they need to be around kids who go through what they're going through. Because I'm sorry, parents, you don't know. And I don't either. And I'm thankful that there are men in this church that work in our OSC youth that speak into my son more than uh, as much as I do. Because I need that. My son needs that. Your kids need that. I'm thankful when my son comes home and he talks about what he shared in his life group. And some things he doesn't share with me. And I'm okay with that. You know why? Because I know he's sharing it with somebody else. And so we, we need to have right relationships. Number two is intentional time. Intentional time. We want to make sure that we are spending intentional time. Ephesians chapter 5 says, so be careful how you live. I love that because we cannot be careful at times. And anytime you hear the word be careful in scripture, that's because something dangerous is around the corner. It says, hey, you need to be really careful. And here's what you need to be careful of. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are what? Wise. Wise. Now watch what wise people do. They make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. See, you and I only get 24 hours of time. We all get the same amount of time. The question is, how, you do, how do you spend it? See, foolish people will spend their time 
but wise people will invest their time. And as parents, you and I have the opportunity to either spend time or invest time. As a parent, I have 18 years, give or take, with my, with my sons. That's it. They're going to be gone, or uh, they will be gone. One way, they're going. <laughs> but I got 18 years. And, and how many parents in here that have older kids, how many know that time flies? Like, really fast. And so, and so what Scripture is telling me is, if I'm going to be wise, I need to make I need to make the most of every opportunity that I have. If there's anything I see in older parents when I'm counseling them is they regret the time that they spent when they did have kids and what they did with that time. And so scripture's telling us we need to invest our time. The best families that I know are the ones who, who know how to spend their time wisely. They know what to say no to and they know what to say yes to. And sometimes they even say no to good things so they can say yes to the great things. Sometimes a husband has to say, no, I'm not doing that extra overtime work because my kids need me right now. There's, there's sometimes where we say no to that invitation to go do that because it would separate our family. Sometimes we say no to our kids doing six sports or five sports or four sports because we're going to make an investment to make sure that we're spending time together and maybe church is an imp- important process of that. And so we, 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 we're, we're saying no so we can say yes to the right things. This is what God has called us to do as a church. Cornell University did a, did a study, and it said their, their national study of, uh, in, in the U.S. said the average father spends seven minutes a day with his kids, 49 minutes a week. This is what Ecclesiastes says. This is Song of Solomon. I mean, uh, this is uh, Solomon who wrote Ecclesiastes as well, and he said this, it's better to have a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. Amen. Let me put it a different way. It's better to have less money and see your kids than a ton of money and never see them. It's better, have, it's better have less money and less things and less stress than to have a lot of money but a lot of things and a lot of stress because you got to keep working because you got to pay for all that stuff. This is what scripture is saying. It's better to have a little and have peace than it is to have a lot. Now listen, having things and having a lot of money is not wrong. I pray you guys are rich. I pray you have a lot of money. This is what I, I just pray that that a lot of money doesn't have you. That's my prayer. I pray you have a lot of money and you can do a lot of great things and you can give and get our kids building built for us, please. Let's, let's make this happen. Let's put our money in places. But, but I don't want money to have us. I don't want things to have us. That's the problem. When I can't not do something because it's got me. Because I can't spend, spend time. And so it says, it's better for you to have a little with peace of mind than busy all the time. And how many know, you might be too busy if you tell your kids, hey, it's time for dinner and everybody jumps in the car. That's, that's, that's a joke. Okay, so that's, <laughs> you don't want to do that. But when you're at home, we want to be at home. We want to avoid being distracted. We want, to, we want to be all in. I love what James Dobson said. This is what James Dobson says. Sometimes we're so concerned about giving our children what we never had growing up, we neglect to give them what we did have growing up. Man, that's good. That we want to be parents that, yes, we want to give our kids the best. We want to set our kids up for the best. And that's my goal, too, is I pray my kids go further and farther and faster than I ever did. But I also want to make sure that I instill in my kids what great things were instilled in me. And I don't want to miss that. Number three, we want to instill in our kids a family essential is others first. How many know we live in a selfie culture? It's me first. And, you, you know, selfie, you got to, got to do the selfie and you got to make sure you got the duck face. You know, you got a little duck face, you got to get your lips out there. You got, and you got to do it in a right, you got, to, you got to do it up. You can't do it down. You know, that's weird. You got to do it up. You know, there's a certain way you got to do it and you got to perfect it. And, 
And, and we live in a culture that's so self-absorbed. The problem with that is when you become self-absorbed, you become entitled. And when you become entitled, you think everybody owes you. But the problem is nobody owes you anything. How many know God doesn't even owe you anything? God loves you. He wants the best for you. But how many know we owe him everything? And so we've got to teach our children what it is to have others first. This is a reoccurring lesson in my home. In the belt home, it is this. Others first, others first, others first, others first. Well, he wants that. He wants that. Well, put him first, put him first, put him first. Y'all know the story of the the two brothers and sisters that were fighting over who was going to get the first pancake? They're fighting over who's going to get the first pancake. And so the mom saw the issue and she said, man, this is going to be a real spiritual moment. I can teach my kids about Jesus in this moment. So she put the two boys back in their seats and said, boys, listen to me. If Jesus was here, what would Jesus do? He'd put his other brothers first. And so one brother, the older brother looked at the younger brother and he said, you be Jesus. <laughs> you be Jesus. I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of what we do sometimes. And I love what Philippians says. Hey, parents, listen, this is a great verse for, you, for the, your family to memorize. Our family, this is our, this is our memory verse for our family. Philippians 2, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, I love this, humility, we, we do this. We value others above ourselves. You value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. How many know our kids don't need to just memorize this? We need to memorize this. And we value others above ourselves. We have, we have an interrupt rule in our, in our house. And that is that if somebody is talking, it is, it is not only wrong, but you will be reprimanded if you interrupt somebody else while they're talking. That is one of the most disrespectful things that you can do because that makes you, makes you it portrays that what you have to say is more valuable than what they have to say. So we have an interrupt rule in, in our home, but we also have an interrupt rule in, in public. So like at church, this happens often. We'll be at church after service, and I'll be talking to somebody, or Lindsay will be talking to somebody, and our boys will come up to us, and they'll be like, Mom, Mom, listen, Mom, 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 and she's talking to somebody. So we've had a couple of these conversations where we've, where we've had to train our boys this process of if I'm talking to someone, you can't just come up and say, mom, 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 this is what you're going to do. You come up to me and you grab my hand and you hold on to it and you just hold it until I'm done with my conversation and then I'll look down at you and I'll say, okay, baby, what do you want? What's for lunch? What are we doing? When are we leaving? <laughs> and then I'm going to spank you and then I'll just... <laughs> And then, but we're trying to teach our boys this process. Listen, that's a rule that we've continually repeated. They haven't gotten it right all the time. I don't even know if they got it right today. But we say, grab someone's hand. And it's amazing now that we do that. And then when they do that, afterwards I say, thank you so much for doing that. That meant the world to me. You're growing. Because you just valued that person that I was talking to, saying that what they said is, is important too. And so teaching our kids this process. And listen, my kids don't get it right a lot. They fight all the time. Who gets what first? And I should be doing this. And this is a constant lesson in our home. But can I tell you, it's a constant lesson in my own heart. (laughs) I love what Albert Einstein said. Albert Einstein said this, only a life lived for others is a life worth living. Only when we get beyond ourselves. The most miserable people are the people who are self-absorbed. 
The most joyful people are the people who are beyond themselves, that wake up in the morning going, God, what can I give? Now, yes, we gotta take care of ourselves. I had a whole devotional on taking care of ourselves. But we've also gotta be looking to others. And then let me give you the fourth one. This is the last one here. And it's, it's honestly the last one, but it really is the first one. That is authentic faith. Authentic faith, which means that there's also inauthentic faith. How many know church is more than Sundays? Yes. I know that, right? How many know God is more than Sundays? God is way more than Sundays. And Jesus actually would address this. Because there was people that, the Pharisees, the people who knew the most about God, would, would, were, were treating God as if he only, it only mattered with what happened in the temple in those days. But God is so much more than Sundays. And this is, this is his address to them. Watch this. He says this in Matthew. These people honor me with their lips. So they do all the right things. They say all the right stuff. They know how to sing the right songs. But the problem is their heart are far from me. They worship me in vain. And their teachings are, watch this, merely human rules. And can I tell you, just pastoring in this area now for 18 years, the, the thing that I've seen... The, has been the biggest trip up with people is that most people, their relationship with God is just following a bunch of rules. I just do what they say for me to do and I just show up and I say this and I do this and as long as I say this and do this, then I'm okay with God. But can I tell you one of the biggest things we, we, we preach and we preach this constantly is that Christianity is not religion, it's a relationship. Come on, it is a relationship with Jesus. Listen, there's a lot of people that I know that know the teachings of the Bible. They just don't know the teacher of the Bible. And when you know the teacher and not just the teachings, your life starts changing. This is what, listen, I was stuck in this routine, even growing up in a Christian home where I just rehearsed the rules. I was what you would call a professional Christian. I knew how to walk into church and I knew what to say to the right people to make myself look good. And we live in a culture now, especially with social media, where you present the best and you hide the rest. You show everybody the good stuff. You show everybody what you want them to see. You show everybody the perfect family and you show everybody your perfect kids and you show everybody your perfect home and then everybody else has to look at that and go, oh man, if we could just be like such and such. And we don't show them the, the hardship and we don't show them the struggles and we don't show them the pain. The problem is, is that we, we start comparing, and so we feel like we've got to have the perfect home, and we feel like we've got to have the perfect Pinterest meal, and we feel like we've got to have the perfect behavioral kids. And the problem with all that is, is it's all a fake, because there's no such thing as perfect kids, and there's no such thing as a perfect parent. How many know if there's anything that parenting will do, it'll just reveal to you how much of a sinner you really are? Really? You thought you were good until you had kids, and you're like, I scream a lot. <laughs> What in the world? <laughs> Kids can pull the sin right out of you just to just let you know. And you're like, I thought I was good. Me and Jesus, man, we were good. But then you gave me these children. And so now I'm just like, oh, what in the world's going on? And, I, and I'm impatient and I'm mean at times. And I'm, yeah, because guess what? God uses these children to expose your need for him as well. Because here's the listen. We don't need perfect, good behavior kids. We need kids who understand they need a good savior. That's my heart. My heart for my kids is not that they're going to behave perfectly. My heart is that they would realize that they need a savior and that that savior would become real to them. They would have a relationship with him. They would hear his voice and then God would deal with their behavior. But in the meantime, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with the behavior as well because God put me in their life to help them. But God also put them in my life for them to help me. 
I've become more, I've, I've realized my need for Jesus more through my kids and my marriage. And I feel like I've grown more in my relationship with God. I've learned the heart of a father by having kids. And I'm going to tell you today, for those that are in here and you're like, man, I wish I would have heard this message 20 years ago. Because you regret maybe where some of your kids are. Can I just tell you this? Listen to me close. I want you to look at me. God loves your kids more than you do. And God's speaking to your kids more than you do. And you didn't screw them up. Your kids made their own decisions. And you look through scripture and you see men and women of God who were parents and were great godly parents and their kids went away from God. And then you also see in scripture men and women who hated God and their kids loved God. So listen to me. Take the pressure off. You're called to train them, yes. You're called to invest in them and raise them in the ways of the Lord. But more importantly, our goal is to give them back to God. And then guess what? They've got to make a decision on their own if they're going to follow God or not. I'm going to put my kids in a path that leads to God. Whether they go on that path or not is now their decision. They make that decision, which now takes the pressure off of me because I don't have to be a perfect parent. If my kids are wayward, you know what? I believe God, just like the prodigal son, he'll come back home. I believe God is going to bring them. I, got, I believe God's going to speak to them. How many believe God can direct them more than you can? How many believe God can parent them better than you can? So let, let me tell you, the difference between where your kids are now and where you want them to be, you know what that gap is? Grace. And God gives you incredible amounts of grace. How many parents in here, you just feel like there's weeks where you're just like, I am a failure of a parent. Anybody in here? Yeah, last week. Okay, so I feel like that often. And you know what there is in that gap? Grace. And those days where you're just killing it, you're like, I am parent of the year. <laughs> guess what? Next week, you will be parent not of the year. And guess what you'll need? Grace. And I love this because God's grace is sufficient whether it's a teenager that you just don't know, how do I deal with this teenager? I'm, Jesus, he's about to go back to you. <laughs> or if it's a toddler that's just, oh, just brought you to the end of yourself. You're like, I don't, I don't, he's going back to you too, Lord. I don't, whatever it is in between. Or if it's a 20, 30 something year old that's still acting like a 16 year old. There's grace there. And can I, can I tell you this? God's grace is sufficient. God will parent them better than you can. And here's what it is. This is our prayer. God, give me the grace, the strength, and the wisdom to raise these kids how you want me to. Because I am a sinner raising a sinner, and I need you. So if there's anything every day, you should just ask, like, God, I need your wisdom. I don't know what I'm going to do here. It's not going to be good. Get out of the flesh. Get in the spirit, Jesus. I need the spirit. I need the spirit. These kids need me in the spirit. <laughs> right? This is just honest parenting, okay? So today, I just want you to hear me. You're not a failure. You're not a failure. God loves you. And, and maybe you didn't know Jesus for a long time, and so now you're learning about faith. And you're like, God, I wish I would have known this stuff. It's okay. There's grace. God will fill that gap. God will fill that gap. His strength and his grace and his wisdom is what you and I need to do what he's called us to do. Amen? Let me pray for you. Would you bow your heads in this place? 
Father, we love you. And God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity we have today to lean in on you. And especially in this area, God, where we just don't know what to do often. God, we feel like we're at the end of ourselves so many times. But I believe, God, you have allowed parenting to be your vehicle to which you make us more like Jesus. And so, God, today I'm praying for every parent, every grandparent, every spiritual parent that's in this house. God, that you would give them the grace that they need, the strength that they need, and the wisdom that they need to do what you've called them to do. God, I pray over them today. God, I pray where the enemy has come in to try to bring shame and guilt and regret. Thank you, Jesus, that you come and you restore and you redeem. Thank you that you love our children more than us. You're caring for them. You're talking to them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to minister to them. May, may we raise children who are wise, that love you. And we need you to do that, God. We need you. If you're here in this place, as I talked about authentic faith, and you just go, you know what, Pastor Josh, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I know about God. Uh, I've, I've gone to church. Maybe, uh, maybe you've done communion and baptism. But to be honest with you, you don't, you don't walk with him. Pastor Josh, that's me. I, I want to have a, an authentic relationship with God where I know him. If that's you in this place, you say, man, I, I want to know him. On the count of three, man, I just want you to shoot, shoot your hand up. This is a moment between you and God. One, two, three. If that's you, I want to know him. I want to know him. Come on, hands going up. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Come on. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Ten in the back. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down right there. We're going to just pray this together. Come on, listen, just make this. This is a, a sincere prayer from your own heart. We just pray, dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus Come on, we're going to pray this all together. To pay for my sin, my shame, and my guilt. Today, I give it all to you. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From this moment forward, I'll follow you. Thank you for making a way for me to have a relationship with the Father, a place in heaven, and a purpose on earth. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name.